Market. The S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money. The podcast is just a little miffed that we didn't get a $39 billion takeover offer. I'm Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool, and I'm joined by Andrew Page from Strawman. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm very good. Yeah, $39 billion would not go astray. It'd be nice walking around money, wouldn't it? You're not being offered that for Strawman yet? Is that, that next week? <laughs> no, not quite yet, no. <laughs> now, no. You, you mentioned Strawman Premium last week. I know by now it's been launched. By all reports, yep. your members are pretty happy with it. Yeah, pretty happy. So um, we are a pretty private little club at this stage, so close to 600 members. And um, yeah, just really, really blown away with the results. So we're um, we're pretty keen to hit the ground running and turn over a few rocks and see what, what uh, opportunities we can find, I guess. Congratulations, mate. Well, well deserved. I could, mate, I am the happiest bloke in the world for you right now, other than you and maybe your, your darling wife. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm stoked for you, mate. Really, you know what, Fool's one of the, one of the good guys uh, and, and doing well. So yeah, there's, plenty of, there's plenty of bad people that do well in life. Uh, Andrew's one of the good ones. So, mate, congratulations and very, very well done. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. All right, now let's move on past the self-aggrandizing. Although uh, I'm also very funny, humorous, intelligent, good-looking. Um, of course, I meant to say that. Yeah, <laughs> mate. If I got to say it myself, <laughs> you're letting the side down. Um, <laughs> let's let's get. Like, mate, it was so such a big week this week. Such a big week in like a trillion different ways. We'll try and mm. jam pack it all into a single podcast episode. We won't go for two hours, I promise. Um, this was a <laughs> famous last words. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and another thing. Um, that's your, your my catchphrase when, when, we're, when we're buried, our, our epitaph individually, but but also uh, together will be. And another thing. Um, the, uh, <laughs> so, mate, lockdowns in Queensland, um, Sydney case yeah. is not getting any better. Unfo- mm. We got a donut day on Wednesday in Victoria, unfortunately six cases today. Um, mm. So that's that. Uh, then we had the RBA this week on Tuesday out holding rates, but also, and this is, mate, I'm an optimist and you know I'll go for any glimmer of light I can possibly find. They kept rates on hold, no surprise. They're actually going to continue the tapering of their bond buying program. And, mm. and I thought that was really fascinating. The RBA is pretty much, you know, for all of the, it's funny, in the past, they've changed their policy to say, look, we're not going to raise rates until we absolutely know for sure that inflation is back, which is fine. I think mm. that's going to be wrong in the fullness of time, but that's a whole different conversation. This time, though, they're, they're kind of they're doing the old style and saying, well, we actually expect things to bounce back really fast. And so, so we see no reason to change our settings because, yeah, lockdowns suck. Yeah, it's going to hurt the economy. Yeah, GDP is going to be negative for the current quarter. And I say those and kind of gloss over them as though they're nothing, uh, but they're big deals. But they're basically saying, look, we saw the economy bounce back really fast. We think it'll happen again. So we're not going to change anything. And I... I don't know, as in, I'm looking, I'm actively looking for, for reasons for optimism right now. And that was, that was one that I thought was interesting out of that, out of that statement. Then yesterday, so we're doing this on Thursday morning, the, what is it, the 5th of August. Uh, yesterday morning, retail sales and new car sales were out. And again, one of those weird sets of data where month on month, retail sales were down. Year on year, they were up. So you've got to, got to try and triangulate that. And then new car sales were actually up 16%. And in New South Wales, I was still down minus 2%, but minus 2 in a lockdown month is also not bad. So, made so much data. We're not going to even touch the afterpay news, which we'll get to in a minute. We'll just keep it macro for a second. And that, I just, I'll just ask outright, mate, with all that phalanx of information, data, everything else going on, anything you kind of make of the last week of macro, anything kind of you've taken out of it, any observations or insights? Oh, gosh. Uh, no, you know what? Not 
Not really. Only other than, you know, the more things change, the more they stay <laughs> the same, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. yep. in a lot of ways. It's, it's always, it's always um, a moving feast yep. um, and it's always something that you can squint at through an optimistic or mm, pessimistic mm, sort mm. of sort of lens. And, yep. you know, you, you, you take what you want from the buffet to, to <laughs> yeah, right. just for your own preconceptions. <laughs> Fill your pre preconceived <laughs> plates uh, for for what narrative feel, you want to sort of. I feel prosecute. seen, Andrew. I feel seen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, mate, no, I'll, I'll turn it around. I'll ask you. What, nah. what, what, what do you what What do you nice, take from it? Nice. Um, oh. So I, I always preface these answers with I'm an optimist, right? And so I'm, I am, I've said to you before, I've said to our members before, I'm pretty sure I've said to our listeners before, I will be optimistic right up until the day before the recession. Right, or the day of the recession. Actually, through the recession, I'll be optimistic thing is going to recover. And I think that's actually borne out by history, right, and, and by the likely kind of movements of the stock market. And when I'm optimistic, I don't mean I think the market will go up today or I think it's going up this month or this year, just that I think investing is smart almost always. There's been very, very, very few times when sensible investing has been a dumb idea. Stupid investing is always stupid, right? So dot-com, 99, you know, people got stupid. I'm not saying any company at any point at any price is, is smart. But I think if you're, if you're sensible, thoughtful, Optimism is the right approach in, in life and, and in investing. So there's that. Um, I <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing your voice in my head saying, "Oh, get political." But um, the lockdown <laughs> in New South Wales has been a debacle. Has been stupidly mismanaged from the start. Um, I have people on Twitter who are still trying to tell me that somehow it was unknowable and accidental, and who could have known and who could have thought and I, I, I just, you know what, I'm, I'm trying to be an open-minded guy. I just can't see how um, we had the Victorian example, the Queensland example, even the New South Wales Northern Beaches example of the value of hard, fast lockdowns that shut stuff down. Um, just too many cases. And, and I think, you know, trying to avoid a short lockdown, they've created a, what's probably a two or three month long one. Whether we get out of this before vaccines actually get to herd immunity levels an open question, it may well be that the vaccines beat the lockdown um, in terms of getting rid of, getting rid of COVID. I say all of that to say that I'm optimistic but I'm not blind to the possibility we actually have another recession on our hands. The current quarter will be negative GDP growth. We know that. Everyone expects that. That's what I say we know that. We don't know for sure but you know, you'd be, you'd be a brave person. Yeah, it's almost certain. Next one worries me, mate, because again, it's got to be year on year growth and if you think about, you know, we'll go into probably the new month. Hopefully we bounce back in October. Hopefully we get out, back out to the stores and back out to the shops and back out to the cafes and restaurants and hopefully there is that RBA expected bounce. So maybe I'm, mm. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not pessimistic. I'm still hopeful and I'm optimistic, but I, I just, the more this drags on, mate, the more it worries me. From an economic level, from an investing level, mm. you've said before, I've said before, does it worry me much? Not really. Um, uh, I mean, there's kind of macro settings that will change as a result that do change valuations. Um, other things going on, but look, I, yeah, it's, it's hard. New car sales, I think, that's the, that's the one I'm really actually clinging to. The people are still making large ticket purchases because I think people believe we get through this and that's confidence is all that matters in the economy moving forward. If I think it's going to be terrible, I stop spending, I create that outcome. If I think it's going to be fine, I keep spending and I create that outcome. Uh, when I say I, I mean, you know, I, I as in every Australian consumer written, you know, put together. Mm. So I'm kind of hopeful that whatever those big ticket purchases stay strong, it suggests an underlying confidence level. So that's, that's my hope, mate. Um, what does it mean for investing... I'm, I'm still a little bit mindful of the impact of businesses that are benefited, benefited or, or hurt by lockdown. And so mm. if we think about earnings season, I'll ask about earnings season later, but earnings season right now, you know, how, much of a, how much of that can you take for granted as, as ongoing underlying earnings power? And so it's not really, it's not really a worry or, a, or a, you know, 
a positive view. It's just a, it's just a reminder to myself and to our listeners. When you look at earnings in August, when you look at company outlooks from August forward, just be careful of those businesses that are doing really, really well because of the one-off impacts of lockdown. And also be aware, be aware that some businesses will look terrible because of the one-off effects of lockdown. And I think for me, mm. I, I don't want to do too much of our earnings season wrap because we'll do that in a minute, but in yeah, earnings season, look ahead anyway. Um, but that, that's, you know, I'm just, I, as an investor, I'm just ever mindful that there are some things that aren't normal and trying to normalise for that abnormal stuff is important, at least in terms of yeah. working out the price to pay and the businesses to buy. Yeah, 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 it's tricky. I, one thing I would say with, uh, we saw this, um, we are talking about uh, Sydney airports yesterday yeah. and that's classic, you know, one of the ones that's obviously very directly hit by COVID. Right. Very materially. So their international travel numbers are still down 98% from <laughs> yeah. a year ago. Yeah. And the last traffic numbers they, they published were before the current sort of New South Wales lockdowns mm. and the rest. And even they were still down like massively uh, as mm-hmm. well. But a lot of people are approaching it with a very sensible long-term mindset mm. saying, well, it's actually probably one of the highest quality infrastructure assets in the Southern Hemisphere. Mm. Um, it's got, you know, one of the strongest <laughs> moats you could have out there. No one's going to put an airport, you know, anywhere as close to Sydney as, as they've got it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Great, great asset. So they're, so they're making a bet that although things are tough, it, it, this too shall pass and it will yeah. be very good. Yeah. Um, so I think all that's sensible, but one thing I think is interesting and sort of Delta has sort of shown us this is that um, any I don't think we ever get back to normal, quote unquote, mm-hmm. as to what we as we understood it pre-COVID. Yeah. I think we will just learn to sort of live with this kind of thing, and it will be it will actually take a, a, a while to get back to fully normal. Yeah. So I just hope that I just hope that people like yourself. I think we need to be long-term optimists because otherwise it's kind of back to you know. Cro- uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Back to bows and arrows like and living in caves yeah, and yeah, 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 like sticking to the shadows while you while you cross the wastelands and yeah, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, Thanks for that dose uh, of this morning, man. I appreciate. It. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, I, I I do I do think that it, it is it is particularly for some of these things and particularly for mm. sectors that rely on a lot of international tourism. Mm. It, it is it is going to be a longer path than. Um, perhaps mm. was initially thought, and I just hope that people factor that into some degree. That it's not like one one year from now, boom, it's exactly as it was in two thousand and nineteen. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's more likely longer than that and more difficult. Doesn't mean there's not great value to be had, but the other side of it too is is that if that is your view and it is a reasonable mm. view, it's not something that you because people buy for one reason and then they start making decisions for all kinds of different reasons once mm. after the fact. Mm. So I think if you if you're going in with that sort of sensible mindset, which is great, mm. just just be prepared that. It's going to feel like a long couple of years yeah. as you wait that out, and it's going to be vol- volatile and scary, and you're going yeah. to be yeah. full of doubt. The demons are going to come at night, and you know, <laughs> keep, keep you awake, you know, whispering in your ear, all kinds of negative things. So it's just just be prepared for that journey, I suppose. <sighs> Mate, that's right, you know. And I, so maybe maybe if I keep kind of on that path, because you've, you've raised a really good point. I think, you know, I, I kind of try and wear two hats all the time when it comes to this sort of stuff. On one hand. I wear the hat of the opportunistic investor who says, you know what, when we get volatility, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, those are great opportunities, right? If I get offered a stupid amount of money for my shares, I'll happily sell. If I get offered a stupidly low price for a company I like, I'll happily buy. Um, I am absolutely taking advantage of other people's freaking out. <laughs> so as an opportunistic investor, I'm like, you know, I'll bring it on. On the other hand, I know that on behalf of our members, our listeners, the general public, people like, frankly, my mum and, and other people who are like, what the hell is going on? This is too scary. I want out. And so you kind of got, I've got both those kind of hats at the same time, or both those sides of my brain, trying to talk at the same time, the angel and the devil on the shoulder. Um, mm. Whatever metaphor you come up with, that's three. I'm sure I can come up with a couple more. Um, the, uh, you know, but that, that reality of exactly that, as you say, mate, like, no, this will be volatile. Um, 
uh, Nick Scarley was out this morning. Apparently, one of the guys mentioned this morning profits up a hundred percent. Now, mm. the open question for Nick Scarley: shareholders would be shareholders is can this really continue post COVID? Question mark. Maybe it can. Maybe it can't. If it mm. can or can't, how do the shares look relative to what the normal earnings might look like in the future? I.e., if if say if, if profits go back to normal levels, they're going to halve from this point. Now, maybe mm. they don't. Maybe they maybe they maybe they stay this high, or maybe they go further down because. People pulled forward two, three, four years worth of lounge purchases. Um, and so if you think about Nick Scarley, if you're a shareholder or a potential shareholder, you can't fault the performance, but you don't just invest in the business profit. You invest in the business's share price, right? And while we would normally say share price follows profit, and it does, if the profit falls, because these are unusually good times and I don't see how they're not, you just want to make sure you're paying the right price. I think we're used to talking about that sort of stuff with, with commodities, for example, and the oil price is stupidly high and they're stupidly low and we know share price gets whipped around. You've got to look through that and say, what is the long-term price likely to be? And often the answer is, I don't know, so I'm going to avoid it. We're not exactly working with a commodity here, but if you think about the Nick Scarlys of the world and plenty of others besides, you've got to ask yourself over the next five, seven, ten years, what is the level of profitability likely to be? And how much am I paying for that level of profit? And is today's price decent? And I don't really have an honest view, yeah. mate. I don't know Nick Scully that well to have an honest view, but I but I would I would be a little bit scared right now, as you say. Sydney Airport, is it gonna be that bad forever? No. Nick Scully is gonna be this good forever? I don't know, maybe. But but I can't imagine that, you know, the, our, our 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 rate of lounge buying, sofa buying, continues at this pace forever. Yeah, you got you've got to try and attempt to normalize things. Although, oh, you are you are tempting me down a rabbit hole, Mr. Phillips. <laughs> Go on, take it, take it. Because well, Chase the rabbit. Nick Nick Scarly is one of those companies <laughs> that at a high level it's like, oh, what do they got what do they do? Our oh, furniture yeah, retailing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ho hum. Um, it is <laughs> It is one of the best managed retailers right. uh, out there. Right. It, it has delivered incredible returns. Mm -hmm. it's, like, over the last 10 years, it's gone up 6x even before you factor in dividends. Yeah. Yeah. Dividends in 2012 are 8 cents a share. I'm just looking at it now. Now 48 cents a share. It's remarkable. Um, the per share earnings have, have gone up seven times. So it's not a yep. question of multiple expansion. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. this is totally. This has been yep. driven yep. by yep. a fundamental, you know, and it's just, it, they get, for, for those that don't know, return on equity is a measure of profitability. How mm. much profit mm. do you make relative to the net assets of the business? Mm. That that has con like a massive spike in 2020, but that has consistently sat around over 40, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. And their shares, their shares out, this is another, another there's, there's so many case studies with Nick Scarley. <laughs> yep. The shares outstanding have been flat, dead flat yeah. at exactly 81 million for cool? as long as my data goes back. Yeah, now, yeah. That, it, that, that might not seem that unusual, but <laughs> trust me, it is. It really is. When you look at almost every other company, yep. the number yep. of shares on issue just go up every year, whether it's just because of some employee shares or some bonus yeah, shares. So yeah. sometimes it's not dramatic, but often you see capital raisings and mergers and acquisitions, mm -hmm. all kinds mm -hmm. of things. Mm -hmm. To be dead flat yeah. over that, they have not taken a single cent yeah. out of shareholders' pockets. They haven't issued themselves more shares. Yeah. So it's just, it's, so, okay, but, but back to you. So I, I think it's an incredible company. On, on the shares um, thing though, I will say very quickly, part of it is actually the fact that it's a, a founder, owner, family yes. managed business. They're actually managing it as if they own the business because yes. they do. And it's not yes. always the case. There are some great professional managers out there. There are some crappy yep. professional managers out there and there are some boards that have Wonderful and, and not so wonderful shareholder friendliness. Um, so I just I just mentioned that the part of the part of the success of those shares outstanding not increasing are the family going no no I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give, give extra shares away this is this is hurting us as shareholders and yep. and it's hurting our fellow shareholders who are not going to do it anyway keep going mate. 
So the only other point I just I was just going to circle back on your point mm. here is sort of like um, you've you've got to you've got to probably look at uh, last year and maybe a bit of this year is yeah. a lot of pulled forward earnings. So here's a bit of a potential trap for, for young players is that so a, a very value oriented investor might go. I totally hear what you're saying, Scott, but I'm looking mm. at this company and the PE is 16. Yeah, right. So this is a <laughs> this is a company whose yep. whose earnings have grown like the clappers. All yep. of the things I just sort of said, and you've got other companies that that mm-hmm. are growing at rate it's not as good as that. We're on multiples of 25, 30, more. Um, so you might say, I hear what you're saying, but it's kind of true. Now, the thing is with, with price-earnings ratios mm. is that they can normalise because the price comes um, back down mm. or because the earnings change as well. So if you have had a bit of a spike in earnings and next year it sort of drops back a little bit from, from, from that peak, mm. that, that, that also is going to uh, lift the PE. So it might be a case of a low PE on cyclically high earnings mm. if I'm making any sense there. So again, That's just right. to your That's point, right. normalise, sort of try and... Try and don't, I, I really think you don't need to be too... Try not to be too clever here and mm-hmm. forecast what 2021 and yeah, 2022. That's, right. do. that's really hard to do. But just basically say, look, I'll take 2019 as a bit of a base. Mm-hmm. Probably not unreasonable to expect that they can get up a single digit kind yeah. of growth from there. It's yeah. a very conservative assumption. Hopefully you're wrong and it ends up being more than that. Yeah, that's right. But you, you're not going to be upset if you are, right, in that instance. Yeah. Um, you are going to be upset if you're assuming 40% compound growth forever and yeah. it doesn't doesn't achieve it. So, yeah, push it forward from there. Make a judgment on that. But, uh, yeah, what, what a great company. Totally, totally. And that's what I meant about you're investing in the company's profits, but you're also investing at the prevailing share price. And so yes, if Nick Scarley yes. goes on, it won't, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to assume here they can't keep growing profits at the same rate. I would, wouldn't be surprised with all of these COVID-exposed businesses if they actually have a year of declining profits, which is completely normal and natural and doesn't actually speak for the business's lack of ability. It would just be the simple reality of consumers, you know, basically stampeded through the doors and you kind of go, well, look, I'll take it. A bit like, a bit like so. I, you may have a different view on this, mate. I'm, I'm speaking of rabbit holes. Um, Blackmores for all of its for all of its sins and otherwise, um, they took advantage of the Daigu trade when it was in Australia, and then they yep. and then the Daigu trade went away and profits fell. Now, this is this is exactly the Nick Scarley example. At 220 bucks, the market assumed that those Daigu sales were going to go forever and going to keep growing. Yep, they didn't. And, and so, you know, were Blackmores wrong to take advantage of those sales? Of course not. They are, you know, probably legally, morally obliged to make a sale when you can make a sale when it doesn't hurt the long-term value of the business. And selling a couple of bottles of vitamins doesn't, hurt, doesn't harm the long-term value of the business, particularly when it's to, you know, international customers who otherwise wouldn't have been there. So should they have taken the sales? Yes. Should they have banked the profit? Mm. Absolutely. Should mm. investors have kind of gone, maybe that won't go on forever? Yeah, probably. Mm. Now, Again, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But if Nick Scarley ends up with a Blackmore style result, does that mean Nick Scarley will have done badly as a business? No, they just took the sales when they can get them. But if the share price then falls, it's equally not the company's fault because we bid the price up as if it's going to go on forever. And I think that for me is the watch out. Now it might not happen. There's maybe Nick Scarley finds a new base. Maybe they buy some businesses. Maybe they've discovered some efficiencies. Maybe the volumes done wonderful things for them. I'm not predicting, and don't hear me at all. So Nick Scarley's going to either profits or share price are necessarily going to decline. But if and when it does, it'll be like, well, okay, we should have expected that. Who who, who really bought Nick Scarley expecting that that COVID-level profitability could be maintained and the growth could be maintained from that point? And if the answer is probably mm. should be nobody. So if it falls, don't be surprised. And again, if you're thinking about your shares and, and what you're buying and selling, just be careful with that as well. 
Yep, yep. I think the other classic example there is the miners. Like when commodity prices are super high, people like, yeah. we just we, we all extrapolate. Yeah, right? we've talked absolutely. To, it's the other classic example. Yep. And then yep. and on the downside too, when when prices there normalize, people extrapolate for forward. You've just got to take a more nuanced, yep. sensible view where you just sort of look through look through all of that noise. So, mm-hmm. so again, when we're talking about earnings season on on Ausbiz, uh, this week, it was mm. talking about GUD whose profits Don't steal were up. My though, earnings season tips, but keep going. Oh, just up a gazillion percent. I was like, yeah, but they're still down on 2019. In fact, they're below where they were in 20. You've got a year-on-year comparisons can be can be very misleading. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just looking, in fact, at, at, at the the analyst forecast for Nick Scarly. So they're actually calling for close to a dollar per share earnings this mm-hmm. year, uh, which would be great. You know, up massively from last year. But then 2022, it's back at 77 cents. So yeah. it's, so in 2022, assuming the analysts are right here, and and that's probably not a good assumption to make, but assuming they are, um, you know, we, we're going to see a 33 percent fall in profit mm-hmm. and there'll be people they're going oh geez next golly down to 33 percent it's something you know mm-hmm. well is it i don't know let's 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 smooth it out a little bit and take a more a more sensible approach so I, anyway i think we've we've flogged that horse well and truly to death mm-hmm. let's, shall we shall we talk should we talk after pay? Well, we've kind of buried the lead for long enough, mate. We've made our listeners wait long enough. Well, we indulged ourselves in a bit of uh, in a bit of economic macro stuff, uh, but hopefully a useful conversation. We will get back to earnings season in a second, but let's talk about after pay. Um, Thirty nine billion dollars. <laughs> Am I right, mate? I saw a headline during the week, and I I haven't done my research. I saw it called the largest corporate deal in ASX history. Is that your understanding as well? Well, I look again. I haven't haven't gone through the records to verify that, but that's what that's what the press cool. is saying. Okay, good. So I, I just want to make sure I, I, I think it makes sense. Okay, good. Well, it's 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 a record in two 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 regards. Mm-hmm. So one in terms of the sheer dollar value, thirty nine yes. billion of them. Yes, that is. Now, by the way, this Afterpay was one hundred and twenty five million dollars small cap stock six <laughs> five six years ago. <laughs> yeah. So hey, mate, just quietly, that. it's up it's up sixteen fold since March of twenty twenty. Don't worry about don't wow. about five six years ago. You made fifteen times your money if you bought it eight bucks in March. It's ama- amazing. So <laughs> crazy. So that's 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 one thing. Yep. The other thing is it's also a record in terms of the we we're talking about multiples yep. before. So we <laughs> um, Afterpay doesn't oh, have wow. a price earnings ratio, right? Because it <laughs> thirty nine billion dollars for a business not making profit. Let that sink in while Andrew keeps talking. Doesn't doesn't make profit. So what you do in that situation, or what you can do in that situation, <laughs> is you can actually use a multiple Find of sales. Find something, right? Yeah. And you can so it just you need something to sort of standardize it to, just to put it in context and. And on that on that measure, Afterpay's takeover offer was at forty two times sales. Now that is yeah. prior. I mean, it's it almost doesn't sound that unusual these days. But like ten years ago, if there was a company trading at five times sales, it was considered pretty pretty lofty, right? So, and and you might even look at a hundred million dollar company, which is much much smaller, and say. Well, that's a very high multiple, but it's growing incredibly fast. And in fact, you might actually be justified in, in making that argument. Mm-hmm. And and you might be, and I'm not trying to suggest it's not with Afterpay as well, but it is it is noteworthy that a company of that size, $39 billion worth, mm-hmm. trading at a 42 times multiple, it's two incredible records there. So... Mm-hmm. Well, well done to shareholders who who held on for for the ride. Is all I can say. I wish I wish I was amongst you. I, as I, as I always said on the podcast before, I was making the case at the start of the year that shares were, were overpriced. In yeah. fact, even before that, um, egg, egg consider egg on my face because I was clearly wrong, or not. Okay, let's. I'm, I'm so, happy to let you well, ex- explain why so I was. I'm not. I'm not saying you are wrong. I just I, you know, there's a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking going on this week of why these mm. people were so smart and so clever and. I, I will mention two, um, two, two deals. 
The first was Google bought YouTube for, I want to say, $1.5 billion. And yeah. it was the largest deal at the time, right? Which, again, think about that in the context of $39 for Afterpay, $39 billion. Um, so there's that. But it went on to, it's now worth a squillion dollars, right? So it's, oh, so it's, it, was, it was super cheap. Right, they paid right. peanuts for it. And, and they yeah. were bagged from pillar to post and it was just, stu- anyway. On the same token, uh, eBay and then Microsoft paid a fortune for Skype and both of them got yes. absolutely hosed. Rupert Murdoch yep. paid, I don't know how many billion dollars for MySpace. Ended up yep. selling it for 500 million to, was it sold with Justin Bieber or Justin Timberlake, one of the Justins. Um, right. So, you know, if you're a Skype shareholder, or if you're an eBay shareholder, or if you're, you know, you, you made, so you, you, you buy Skype, let's say Skype was pub, pub, publicly listed, it wasn't, but let's say it was. You sell to eBay and go, oh, I was so right. See all the money I made? Now, mm-hmm. you're right since you got the cash. They can't take the cash off you, so I'm not and for a second trying to downplay the success of Afterpay shareholders. The cash is real. You bought it X, you sold it X plus something, or maybe not, because don't forget the shares were higher in February. So there are people sitting mm-hmm. on this deal going, Man, I lost the I lost money in my afterpay shares. I bought them 150, 160. I'm going to get taken out 130. That hurts, right? So there's that, and I don't want to, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk down or, or rain on the parade of people who are, you know, buying the bolly today because they made a fortune afterpay. I'm just making the point that yes, you got taken out for that price, and good luck to you. Were you right or wrong? Well, if your if your thesis was afterpay shares will end up being worth 39 billion dollars we bought by Square, then yes, congratulations. If you bought them for a takeover in the middle of 2021. You've absolutely nailed it. If you bought it because you think this business is worth $40 billion, maybe it is. But if Afterpay gets sold back to Commonwealth Bank for $3 billion in three years' time, uh, you know, and again, will it? I'm not saying it will, of course not. But, you know, will you have been right or will you have been lucky? And I think that's, you know, we all want to take victory laps or commiserations as if the outcome we got was the only outcome that was possible. And I just want to make, you know, if Square's overpaid for this, if in the fullness of time they go, you know what, we overpay, we've written down the value of afterpay to $10 billion, then hey, Australian shareholders made out like bandits. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're right, unless, as I said, your thesis was there'll be a takeover of 126 bucks a share in, in August 2021. That's all. Yeah. I've, I've given the um, analogy before with, like, I use my kids, right, who'll do something stupid. And you go, don't do that, you'll hurt yourself. And they don't. <laughs> and they go, aha, see? Oh, man, my it's, son is so good at that one. <laughs> Told you know you what I mean? It, you can't, you, you've got to, when, when you're playing a probabilistic game, as we all are with investing, yeah. you can have things that you can have very, and this is, this is actually really good mental models for just life in yeah. general. There yeah. are things that, that are very unlike, very unlikely things happen every day. Mm-hmm. Every, every day or every, let's say every week, someone wins the lottery, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a very, very unlikely kind of thing. And then you have things that are very likely mm-hmm. that don't happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that's just in the nature. So if something has a one in ten chance of mm. of happening, mm. well, one in ten times, by definition, it will happen. Um, but when you have like when you've got these these things that happen, well, you know, we don't have ten parallel universes to compare how this particular deal may have gone mm. in other mm. scenarios. So you've only got that. We've got certain odds. It lands a certain way. Uh, I remember, remember in the the uh, 2016 US election, Nate Silver, who's this awesome mm-hmm. yeah, um, forecaster, right. <laughs> he forecast <laughs> Hillary to win, um, mm-hmm. and and he got he got so much grief. So when, 2012, when he picked I want to say all but one of the yeah. of the states or the, the electorates, or I can't remember the actual numbers, but he he literally was 99 plus number, right? So he was a god for four Very years. Very good. And very, then so just, just put that in context. So that's why he was yeah. being followed, noticed, all that good stuff. And then, sorry, to your point about Hillary, so he says, 2016, four years later, I, I've done so well with this, all of a sudden Hillary gets elected. 
Well, I, actually, quick book plug. I'm looking at it now on my shelf. Uh, <laughs> the Signal, the Signal, and the Noise oh, by book. Nate Silver. Such a great book. Yep, it's yep, just yep. relevant to to investing yep. in a lot of ways. Um, and it's it's kind of the point that I'm trying to make here. But like, he never said. Mm-hmm. This is where context matters, and on social media, context and nuance doesn't come into it. But when someone says, I think they'll win, what he's really saying is, I think he gave her a 70% chance of winning, or whatever it happened mm, to be. Mm, mm. But again, by definition, that yep. means there's a 30% chance yeah, he's wrong. Right. And I think, yep. I think again, we're trying to sort of, uh, maybe trying to rationalise the, the, mm-hmm. uh, the afterpay situation. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think you, do have to, you do have to consider that. So it's like, if you were given this opportunity 10 other times, how should you play it? Well, maybe mm. once it, it, was, it turned out to be the wrong decision. Mm. Um, but if it's, if it's more likely to be the right decision over time, that's, you, mm. you need mm. to play mm. that hand. Yep. It's like poker players get this as well. So, yes. you know, you can have four, four of a kind and think, oh, I've got this in the bank and then someone has... <laughs> A higher four of a kind <laughs> doesn't mean that doesn't mean that next time you have four of a kind you shouldn't like go that's all right, in that's right. right yes yes so well, anyway, it's, a, it's the weather version right when the, when the weatherman says there's a thirty percent chance of rain what he's saying is it's mm. likely not to rain yes, seven times yeah. out of ten it actually won't rain even though there's thirty percent chance and people say oh they said it was going to rain today no no they didn't they said it was a chance of rain and that's the yeah. point right or you know whatever and it's you know the same kind of idea it's one of those. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, as you say, it's, prob- it's probability. And anyway. again, I don't want to rain on the afterpay parade at all. I just want to. No, you know, when people no, no. say so CI well was right. Yeah. Maybe you were, but if but if the Skype shield said CI was right, or people said Google paid too much, said CI was wrong, or CI was right, mm. you know, the, 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 the fullness of time will tell us one way or the other how much afterpay is genuinely worth. And maybe mm. it's worth thirty nine billion dollars. Maybe it's worth eighty billion dollars. Maybe this is a steal of the century for Square. I will say, mate, for what it's worth, I think this is a really of all the players who could have bought Afterpay, I think Square is probably, I don't know, every single possible buyer, but Square is probably the one who can most justify that yes. price. Well, so, they, for them, for them, the value is different than what it is on a standalone basis. Tell us why. They, so first tell us who Square is and then tell us why the value is different. So Square's a giant US payments company. You see it on, like, actually see it around in Australia. People have that little thing attached mm-hmm. to their iPad or whatever. You just yep. do the tap and pay. and It's yeah, a little so square it's, piece, a white, a white square that you tap your card on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, it's just, it's just, um, it just another one of payments companies. We, as a, by the way, we should do a, we should do a, an episode on payments companies one of these days because they are really good companies. Please don't judge our market, are you? Every listener's <laughs> gone. Oh, cool! An episode on banks. Can't wait. Payment companies. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. We should do oh, right. Payment like Visa, Mastercard, <laughs> yeah, PayPal. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Now Afterpay, yep. uh, Square. Yep. They are when you when you get scale in that game. That you know you've just got you've just got a license to print money. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're just it's such a masterclass in in business. Yep. Um, so Square. So what 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 Square hope are hoping to do is that they're going to uh, mm. obvious. Well, the idea is that they'll be able to rapidly accelerate the rollout of Afterpay in the US mm-hmm. much faster than they could have done. So he's kind of, the cross-sell isn't the right word, but it's sort of like that cross-sell mm-hmm. uh, opportunity, mm-hmm. um, uh, which, which yep. Afterpay no, would have had sure. more, more, yep. more trouble uh, in doing. So, so yep. it is genuinely worth more in their hands than it is on a standalone basis. So yep. that, that, that justifies the price to some degree. Otherwise, they could have tried to set up something themselves. And look, that Apple has done that. PayPal has done that. Others, others are doing that. 
but they basically thought we've got a great brand here, we've got the technology all stitched up, let's just plug it. We can develop it ourselves or we can just spend $39 billion getting it right now and then just mm. juice it, just put some fuel on the fire and, uh, well, we'll, the, we'll see how, how they go. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you think? Is there, is there something I'm missing there? Is there an, is another element to what they can do to multiply the, the value? So, look, I think, no, I think, I think there's, well, so the, there's a couple of risks with Afterpay and there's a couple of opportunities. And I think if you were a financial buyer of Afterpay, you had to assume, the only justify the price is if the volume grew faster, then the margin contracted. And they're still not making any money, by the way. So you still got to, you still got to earn some level of profitability at some point to justify the price. They are charging between 3 and 6% to merchants. Now, Amex is coming under pressure to reduce its fee compared to Visa and MasterCard. And it's now, what, 100 something years old? Um, yeah. You know, if anyone had power to say, stuff you, I'll, put the, I'll charge what I want, thanks very much. It's Amex, right? Yeah. So you've got to grow faster than your margin compresses and try and make some money. As you said, yeah. if, you're, if you're Square and you can put Afterpay into all of the Square terminals, customer accounts, retailer accounts, the cash app they've got, you're sweet. If you yeah. are Square and you can put Square terminals or, or create Square relationships with every Afterpay retailer and every Afterpay consumer, you've just bought yourself a truckload of customers, a truckload of relationships and a truckload of volume. And so it starts to really, really matter at some point. Again, think about the buy now, pay later. Someone's carrying that cash for six weeks. Mm. If you're Square and you put it all inside the Square payment ecosystem, if the customer and the merchant are both using Square, this money may not actually touch a bank account. Mm. It may literally just go from one of Square, or one side of Square's balance sheet to the other and back again. Um, and so, you know, there, there's, there's huge opportunity for Square to get this right. Now, I will say too, the other thing is Square is using shares for this deal, not cash. And let's just say there's been at least one person who said that Square shares were already stupidly overvalued themselves. So to some degree, you know, we'll talk about share buybacks and and share issuances at some other point, but if you've got really, really stupidly overvalued shares, um, you either want to sell more or use them for use them for for equity and totally. transaction, right? If, if yeah. let, let's let's say I have a hundred dollars worth of let's got a forty dollar Willow share. Let's say it goes to a hundred dollars all of a sudden. No one thinks Willow is worth a hundred bucks, but if the market's paying that much, they should use those shares for whatever they can whatever they can get them for. Effectively, you're yeah. being given two dollars fifty for every dollar that it's worth. So if you buy something for a hundred bucks, you're effectively buying it for forty, right? And yep. so. If Square is genuine overvalued, it may not be, by the way. It may be also very cheap. I'm, I'm not having a view. But if you believe that its its shares aren't exactly cheap, using those for a transaction actually also, frankly, lowers the cost. If they're, if they're worth double what, what they should be worth, argument, arguably, mm. let me spit that out, man. If they're worth twice what they should be worth, arguably, and you pay $40 billion for afterpay with Square shares, you're getting mm. it for $20 billion. If the fair value is half... So, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of moving parts here. I... I think it's a great deal. Like, and the other thing, let me actually say this, mate. Let me take a massive tangent, um, step to the side. I am just in awe of what the Afterpay guys have built. Whether, whether they've built a profitable business, whether it's worth $40 billion, those are open questions. The fact they have literally developed in, a, in the proverbial garage or, or the, the, the euphemistic garage, um, a business that can sit alongside Visa, MasterCard, Amex, FPOS. I've said this before, bank card shut itself down in Australia because it went, yeah. we can't compete. The, yeah. the, Visa, MasterCard, MX, too dominant. We just literally, Diners Club, gone. We can't compete. Yeah. Afterpay literally from the cloud says, fucking you guys, we'll take on this multi-billion dollar industry with a new payment method, some new technology, no consumers, no retailers, no nothing. We're literally going to yeah. invent this thing. And so, you know, we, we, we sometimes have a bit of cultural cringe in Australia. Everything great invented overseas. Drives me nuts, by the way. Um, mm. 
but you know we've got to celebrate this one, mate. This is a remarkable success story of two Aussie blokes and, and a whole lot of other people working for the company who have literally invented a new payment method for the world. Um, I, I, I sound like I'm overdoing it, but I'm really, really not. This is no. literally a huge deal. Oh, we love we love to sort of rain on, on others' parades, but I mean, even look, even if you say it's only worth one billion, and I'd say it's worth much more than that. So we again, you can argue the toss as to what its true value yes, is, exactly, but it's worth exactly. uh, it's worth something. It's worth something, and what yes. that something is is worth a lot. And as I say, that that is that is that is literally started from from the, these two guys were neighbours, right? Um, having a chat over the back fence, exactly. Yeah, about yeah. yeah. And and there's a there's a book out actually Johnny Shapiro one of the journalists and uh, I forget his co-author apologies um, wrote a book on it which by the way was released <laughs> the day that the um, the the announcement was made so it would have would have been a nice bookend to it but um uh, the, they they charter the story that yeah, you're talking yeah, about yeah. it's too big yeah. to cover here but it is it is phenomenal yes, yes, so yes. so hats off you know it, it, that that thing doesn't happen very often so no, it's, it's something pretty special yeah correct uh, I can, I speak, can I say can I one one other thing so here's another interesting there's so many interesting things yeah, about yeah. this so afterpay shares are trading right now on the market I can buy them for about one hundred and twenty six dollars mm-hmm. now I also know that this offer has been <laughs> unanimously backed by both boards there's probably not going to be any FIR foreign investment review board yeah. blockages to this yeah. um, so it looks as like ninety nine percent chance it's going to go through but if you do yeah. the maths because it is an all share offer yeah that's right. um, it's actually you you if you buy now at one hundred and twenty six dollars, mm-hmm. you're getting a hundred and I don't know what the exact thing is because the share prices yeah, are, around. square yep. moves and yep. there's and there's also the exchange rate that moves around. But last time I did the the maths, it was about one hundred and thirty five bucks a share. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what you call in the biz a bit of arbitrage. Mm. So so my question to you is this: I know what you're going to say, but I think it's an interesting <laughs> exercise. Why don't you mortgage the house, mm-hmm. sell the car, yep. do whatever you can? Go onto the market, buy $126 or buy shares in after about $126 with an almost guarantee mm. that it's going to be $135 worth that you're buying. So again, you're yeah, buying a dollar yeah, yeah. a dollar dollar coin for 80 cents. Right, right. So to speak. Yeah. Why don't you do that? Um, because I love my wife and I like being married. No. Um, I like being married. Um, look, yeah, as you as you as you're alluding to, this deal may not go through. If it doesn't go through, the downside is 30, 40% from this point, potentially, depending on what happens mm-hmm. with square shares between now and then. Um, and is it so this is a problem with probabilities, right? And you mentioned probabilities earlier. There is a 95% chance it goes through and you make a few dollars. Mm-hmm. There's a 5% chance it doesn't go through and you lose 40%. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about dollar values, it's funny, you know, if I, if I had a dollar, I would take that deal. If you, if you said to me, look, give me $100, there's 95% chance I'll give you back 105, there's a, there's a 5% chance I'll give you back 60, I'd probably take the deal. Because the probabilities, mm-hmm. if, you, if you follow through the maths of that, you take the deal every day. But yep. if you said, give me every your every worldly possession, roll the dice at the casino on a 95% chance of a little bit of a win or a, a small chance of a huge loss, the cost of going back to zero at such a large amount of money is enormous. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's one of those situations where the math itself doesn't tell the story because it, it's not, you're not just giving up X dollars. You're giving up, you know, tens of mm-hmm. years of compounding. You're giving up, you know, having to go back to square one, as Buffett said, you, you at all at all costs. Or we go back to square one. You and I have said many times we've 
you know, jokingly um, lambasted our younger listeners and told them we hate them, uh, largely because we would, would love to get back those years because it's not the return that matters, that always matters, but having another 15 years to compound, that's worth so much more than almost anything you could do on the stock market. And so going mm. back to square one after mm. 10, 15, 20 years, if I was if I was 18 I had $1,000, I'd probably bet the whole lot on afterpay takeover, sure. If I was mm. 25, well, that's one year, that's look, rule 72, that's already one lot of doubling. So you've already given up the chance to double your money. So you'd have to double your money just to get even. And then you start from there and keep going. So that's the reason I wouldn't do it. I assume you're the same? Yeah, that's the same. Okay, I, I probably, I probably um, over-egged it a little bit there by saying <laughs> sell sell the house and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah. I, may, maybe maybe I should rephrase as – well, I'll, I'll answer the question myself. So maybe someone will go, okay, well, that's that's clearly silly and mm-hmm. you've given reasons as to why. <laughs> but what, what if I just put, you know – uh, like a three percent position or a five percent position, whatever, a couple grand, whatever it happens to be, mm-hmm. relative to your your situation, there, there there is a there is an argument to be made there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would say that uh, it's actually you, again, you, it's always a dangerous step to assume the market is being stupid. <laughs> yeah, now the market does right. get stupid from time to <laughs> yes, time, yes, and we exactly. we talk about that. We love that. We celebrate yep. that because it yep. is opportunity, and the market is far from a perfectly efficient beast. Yep. At the same time. <laughs> You know, especially something that is mm. so large and so closely covered by very, very smart people. I mean, you've got people with PhD degrees from the best business schools in the world running supercomputers with yeah, a team of 20, right. you know, and that's just one outfit and there's yeah. probably a dozens of them sort of all that's looking at right. this. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and there's 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 me and my Ugg boots at home <laughs> with, a, with a laptop thinking that yeah. I've, I've got any kind of competitive edge. So, again, you've got – humility is, is mm-hmm. important with all of this. But there's there's a couple really of things. Is, so. The, the, let's say let's say that it is a one hundred percent chance that the deal goes through. Mm-hmm. So we can remove that part of the equation. Yeah. Well, it's still it's still going to take a while to settle. Like you're not going to get your square yeah. shares. Yeah. I, I think I've, um, you might be able to remind me here, but I think it's months away, right? Yeah. Months and months yeah. away. Yeah. Maybe even six months away. Now, in that time, by the time you get your square shares, square mm-hmm. on on the uh, I think it's the New York Stock Exchange, not the Nasdaq, whatever mm-hmm. it is. New York Stock Exchange, uh, it is. New York Stock Exchange. Yes. Yep. New, yep, yep. Um, so it, 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 its shares could drop thirty mm-hmm. percent for any for unrelated yeah, that's reasons. Right, that's for right, other things. That's right. So so the dollar could that. fall or rise. As, yeah. There's so many moving parts here. There, there, there is all of that. So even when yeah. you take the the idea that it might not go through away, mm-hmm. there's still all, there's still all of that. So there's yeah, the, nice. the market, the market sensibly and rationally should trade <laughs> at a discount <laughs> to the takeover price for that. Now, if it was going to go through tomorrow, mm-hmm. and there was a five percent difference, I'd actually probably consider yeah, making totally. a very serious bet on it. Yeah. But but yeah. that time value is something that you need to. And I, I I just wanted to mention it in our little chat because I've had more nice than smart. a few friends reach out saying. Oh, easy money, let's do that. It's, it's not that easy. And, and, as you say, mate, the market's not out. that stupid. And, and the more mathematical the question, the less likely the market is wrong. Mm. Yep. You know, because yep. it's one of those things where if a computer, if, you, like, if you've got to try and work out which company's going to grow faster in the next five years, there's a decent chance the market is going to be, I won't say 100% wrong, but you know, the market's probably not going to get it right because it's all unknowable. But yes. if it's literally like, hey, actually, you're competing against day traders and, and algorithmic computers and investment banks, everyone else who can make the same amount of money should they choose to, when the smartest minds, the biggest computers and the biggest balance sheets go, no, it's okay. The chance yeah. of you or I go, oh, you know what? I got this great... <laughs> so my, my wife is a teacher uh, as well as an education consultant and she always said the year nine boys, right? Every year nine class... It's something about you turning, turning whatever age that is in year nine. And they all turn up with this great news of how to fool the teacher, right? And it's like, and, and, and it's, it's the problem with the, the, the teenage brain doesn't realise that someone's already had this idea last year when they were 16. 
And so what happens, the young boys are like, oh, I know what a, what a fool will teach. We'll do this thing. And they've just thought of it. So they think it's genius. And they can't imagine it's never been done before. And of course, it's been done a million times before. And the teacher's like, oh, dude, I've, yeah, I've, I know. I've seen that before. It happened, I've, you know, I've doing this for X number of years. Every year nine class tries it on. They all think they're geniuses and they've thought about it for the first time. Guess what? I've done, the, you know, I've been around the block. And that kind of is my, my you know, my mental equivalent to the, or the analogy to the, um, uh, to the stock market story of like, you know, the United boy going, oh, I can make some easy money in Afterpay. How hard could it be? And the yeah, team's like, yeah. oh, dude. Every investment bank's like, oh, mate, no, no, we've, we've, been, we've been here before. We know what happens here. And Bless your little cotton socks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? <laughs> now, to your point, it actually is possible that people make money on it. And this is, this is the other sure. thing, right? You mentioned probabilities. It's been a theme right through this podcast is if it works out this time, it doesn't mean it's smart to do every time. And that's the other problem, right? Is you do it once like, oh, but it, but it works. I did it last time. It was great. It's like, yeah, that's again, that's the weather, right? Probabilities. The weatherman's yeah. wrong, it didn't rain. Well, no, it's going to rain yeah, 30% yeah. of the time, not all the time. In this case, you know what? There's a decent chance the market knows as, at least as much, if not more than the rest of us. Yeah, maybe you get away with it this time. Maybe it works. But the time when it doesn't, the shares fall 40% and you go, oh, oh, now I see. That's really yeah. not, that's not worth it. It's not worth it. Do you know, another, again, tangent, but another sort of <laughs> example of that, which I hate, I hate these, it happens every May and every December. People go, well, sell in May, <laughs> go away. Go away. You know, it's this, this wise yeah. aphemism that, yeah. you know, yeah. people try to, or, or the Santa Claus rally, stocks always rally. And, yeah. Or the other one is, is, is October is crash month because, you know, that's right. a few crashes happen. 1997, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's kind of like, it's one of those things whenever yeah. it happens, people go, see? <laughs> and, and then, but, but obviously, people have done analysis yeah, right. on that's this, right. and there's no stati- statistical validity to it at all, yeah. um, at all. But it just, it's so, it just permeates the collective zeitgeist of, of investors. I just, it drives yeah. me insane. Anyone who yeah. out there is going to sell shares at the start of May just because there's a nice little pithy rhyme that goes with yeah. it. And that it's, it, might, it might happen like out of the last 10 years, it sort of happens six times out of 10. Yeah, it's just yeah. silly. It's silly thinking. It's and, random chance, but it's the same thing. It's still random chance. It's noise. If I get a coin and flip it 10 times, I'm not going to, I'm not going to very, you know, it's probably not going to be exactly five heads and exactly five tails. If if 25 has tossed a coin 10 times, someone would go 10 heads, someone would go 10 tails, most of it would be somewhere between seven and three each way and a couple of people would get five out of five. Sure. Now, if we flip it a, you know, a billion times, yes, yes. well, it's going to be very close yes, <laughs> to 50 50. But that's, that's kind of the point, right? Yeah, exactly. So the point. That's right. That's right. You've you got you to gotta, you gotta think this. And this is what's hard about investing. You can, you can do dumb things and be rewarded, and you can do smart things and be punished. And you can't get hung up too much on that. It's the process yep. that matters and not individual outcomes. It's the outcome over time that, that you really got to focus on. I, if, if, here's, here's my challenge to anybody listening to this podcast right now. If someone says to you, Oh, sell the man, go away. You say to the person, unless you can finish the rhyme, I'm going to assume you don't know what you're talking about. Because I reckon 5% of people who say that actually know that. Do you know the rest of the rhyme, Rome? I actually don't. Right, so that's the thing, right? So it's come back on St. Ledger's Day which is a bloody horse race in the UK. It's not even an Australian uh, or American thing. Uh, now that you say it, yes. And yes, so, yes, that, yes. I, we've heard it right, but it's that idea of like, oh, but everyone says that. It's like, and I, I'm not talking about you particularly, but this is the point, right? You're saying, like, ignore it. I'm saying for those people who believe it, unless you can finish the rhyme, if you don't even know the rhyme, what is the chance you know the thesis and the thinking behind it rather than just, oh, everyone says, sell them, I go. Why do they say that? Oh, they just do. What is the rest of the rhyme? I don't know. And yet you're going to take that as advice and act on it. Swear to God. There you go. So test your friends. Test your, test your financial advisor, by the way. Test your broker. Everybody who's someone on TV or on the newspaper or on the internet. Say, unless you can finish that rhyme, I'm going to wish you don't know what you're talking about. That's a bit incendiary, but I'm going to stick with it. 
I don't know how we ended up with that from Afterpay, but somehow we made that know. transition. <laughs> yeah, um. And another thing. <laughs> Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Mate, uh, let's let's. So I will skip over quickly. I was going to talk about Santos and oil search, um, mostly because um, it's not every day a twenty-one billion dollar deal almost gets completely ignored, and it's just so happened they announced not the same day as Afterpay's takeover. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you that you know, Chris? I'll Hill, be honest, our, I missed it. I missed it on. The, <laughs> I know. So Chris Hill is uh, a Motley Fool um, guru, long-term Motley Fool employee, wonderful bloke, and, and hosts the Motley Fool podcast in the US, and uh, he's about the news fairy turning up. Did you, did you see the business pages on Monday and Tuesday? If there was any other story than Afterpay on those days, I didn't see it. There, was, there must yeah. have been six articles on the AFR. There was five on the Australian. There was at least three on the SMH. It was like, yep. oh, Afterpay, let everybody write about that thing. And they did. Yeah. And so yeah. uh, anyway, the, my, my broad point is the whole oil search Santos thing got looked over for $21 billion and almost nobody reported it. Um, I, I will just say, mate, there's a lot of things that, that drive scale for businesses. If you're trying to combine two businesses that both have separate gas fields miles away with very little in common, I'm, I'm a skeptic on this takeover, I've got to say. I don't really – maybe it's some diversification. Maybe you've got some geographic diversification in terms of oil fields. More is probably better than less in terms of just de-risking a business. Um, but I just I, – I, I don't really know where or why – it's like brick pits merging. It's like you can't move the brick pits together. You can't all of a sudden. It's not twice as you know half the price to to dig bricks out of the ground in Sydney as in Melbourne if you buy both of them. Um, I don't know. This one just feels like a bit of a weird. Everyone loves it, of course, and maybe they'll save they'll save money on a CEO and they'll have one CFO and one board and there will be some savings. But I don't know. For twenty one billion dollars, I don't really get the rationale of this one. Yeah, look, I, I didn't. I'm, I'm sure if I was to read the slide deck, there'd be rationale for you know <laughs> oh, there all would. of you know, um, <laughs> exactly. and maybe it even makes some sense to some degree. But what, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the, the market goes through phases. It's sort of like you, you you see the. We talked about this recently. I forget the company where it's sort of like, oh, it's going to be so much better for shareholders if we merge these two businesses. And you go, okay, cool. And then, like five years later, it's all about right. demerging. So it's like Endeavor and Woolworths, because yep. because of that way we can focus, uh, you know, our, our expertise. Where we, you know, there's there's mm-hmm. always a reason. I, I yeah, I agree. I, I, the reason it's sort of slipped under my um, radar and why I just really couldn't mm-hmm. care less about mm-hmm. it anyway is that these are just generally crap companies. Yeah. I'm happy yeah. to say it. Um, do they employ lots of people? Yes. Do they make lots of money? Yes. Um, <laughs> has there been any growth in the, you know, as long as you, not really, you know. Santos oh, now, the is, the Santos now <laughs> is selling less on a per share basis than it was 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the dividend is less than what it was. It's never mm-hmm. consistently, paid. if it goes years without paying <laughs> one, the share count is, we talk about share count, it's doubled mm-hmm. over the last 10 years. I mean, mm-hmm. these are just, these are just, these are the kinds of companies that you do well if you buy at the, yeah. if, you, if you're great at timing and no one yeah. is, but if yeah. you are, yeah. that's where you make money. But, yeah. But then that, that, that's such a silly argument too because, yeah. well, that's true of any company. Yeah. Like does it, if, if you can time it, you'll make money on, on no matter what it is. So mm-hmm. it's sort of – so, you know, and the, yeah, two, two really <laughs> mediocre <Frustrating>, companies <laughs> joining yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. Exactly. Yeah, it's in the AFR. Nah, past, not interested. Before, not interested now. Exactly, exactly. Uh, mate, let's move on then to earnings season very quickly as we wrap up for, for today. We are now a week into earnings season. Um and we've done plenty of earnings season talk before over past podcasts, but we're also mindful there's a whole lot of new listeners. So I want to do a bit of both, um, a bit of a bit of reason why and also a bit of just catch up. Uh, if I asked you for your top three tips for earnings season off the cuff mm. and, and without warning, 
what would yep. you what would you suggest our listeners focus on? I would actually say before the last thing you wanted. This is a general truism in life as well. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like forewarned is forearmed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, luck favors the prepared mind. <laughs> uh, there's probably twenty other sayings out there. Um, what you want to do is have some as you head into earning season. What are you looking for? Hmm. Did, did did you have a did you have a yep. uh, earnings per share target to twelve decimal places? <laughs> Maybe you did. I don't know. Yep. Yep. So you've got something to look at, mm-hmm. or or were there general general features that you were hoping the company mm-hmm. would report? If you don't mm-hmm. have any expectation, it's hard to sort of know. And then what what tends to happen for a lot of people is mm-hmm. whether it was a quote unquote good or quote unquote bad result yep. pretty much depends on what the share price does after yep. the results are announced, yep. and it's framed in that way. That's so right. so my my biggest tip is. Ask yourself, as someone who owns part of this business, do I feel forget, lucky? Forget punk? The sh- no, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> well, different, different just forget, forget, <laughs> forget. Can I fire five around? Let me go. Come. Forget the share price. Forget the market. You own yes. this business. Yes. You've bought it for a particular reason. Yep. You've got. You've got an. You know, if you're being sensible, you've got a bit of an investment case, investment thesis, as they like to say, sort of worked yes. out. What do you want to see here? Yeah, you know, um, uh, and then that way, that way, when the results come out, you you can put that into context. Mm-hmm. So we, that's why I, you know, it's a bit of a shameless plug here, but that's what we do on on Strongman. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's great to have other people suggest what stocks they like buying, but mm-hmm. I want to know why. What are you expecting? What mm-hmm. are your growth? Is you, it, it it then allows you to sort of say. Are things on track? Hmm. Uh, it holds yourself to account, right? Because you're the easiest person to fool um, uh, hmm. yourself, right? So it's sort of it's sort of like if you've you, you've bought a share with a very clear, articulated rationale for it, hmm. and now this is your chance to sort of test that in, in um, uh, with, with with real world results. So so that's that's the biggest one that I I would I would sort of say is 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 yeah. go into it having some kind of idea as to what to expect. That doesn't have to be hyper-specific, yep. as I said, yep. but you are certainly looking for different um, things. Uh, you, so you wanted three. Um, geez, that's just such the major that's one okay, for that's me. That's fine. That, if the one that's one's enough, mate. I, I, will, think, um, I think that's what you okay. need to do. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it in. If you have any other thoughts, I, as I finish, you can throw, add them in. Uh, I sure, have uh, long campaigned, not really, but I've, I've said a lot regularly, that we should call earnings season expectation season, which kind of dovetails mm. in with your point, oh, yes. likely, right? And it's yeah. that idea of, hey, yeah, profit up forty percent, and then the shares fall. It's like what the hell? Or you know, share profit down forty percent, shares rise. Like what is going on here? And so, to your point about the thesis, you're absolutely right. But a lot of people with that thesis go, I expect woolly shares to go up to profit to go up twenty percent, and it does. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was right. And then the shares fall. Like, well, hang on, what this investing thing's stupid? What am I doing here? What's going on? Right? And yeah. all the all the reverse. And it's that case of remember the market looks at. Profits not versus last year, ironically. We're all taught to think about profit growth, and that's part of what we should be thinking about. But they, they've already made a decision as a group, not, not literally getting together, but you know the, the price reflects a certain expectation around profits. Now, if you're Woolies and you've got a 20% profit growth, but the market wanted 40, you bet the shares are going to fall mm. and because it is the expectations that are driving the share price movements. Equally, mm. moving forward, we, have, we saw you mentioned GUD at the top, mate. Um, great results. Beat market, yeah. grew Shares fell three percent, and again, mm. I, I literally was asked on, on nine users in the week. Um, can you explain that for me? And the answer is simply mm. that in this case, it wasn't the expectations. They, the company beat expectations, but then they said, "Well, July and August have been tough, and we yeah. can't really give you a forecast. We don't really know what's going on." And the market's like, "Oh, bloody hell, I'm out of here then." And so, you know, it, it's it's about the expectation and the outlook as much as it is. Don't be fooled to 
I, I, I said don't be fooled into it. It's, it's very reasonable to say, hang on, I want a business that grows earnings every year and if it's growing at a decent rate, I'm happy. That's absolutely right. But the prevailing share price, generally speaking, is a combination of what the market thought profits would be and what they expect moving forward rather than any sort of X growth or X decline in, in profits. And it's, even get, I said, get media ask me about that. Even get some financial journals ask me about that sometimes. And it's just, it's a really, really important thing to really get, <coughs> excuse me, get in your head. Uh, it doesn't mean you should yeah. buy or sell as a result, by the way. Um, if, if you think Woolies is worth 60 bucks and the shares are currently 40 and they fall to 35 in earnings, mm. just, you know, if you think they're worth more, don't, don't sell them just because the market, you know, you misunderstood the market's expectation for that half. Because to Andrew's point, yes, <coughs> have a think about what you expect, but also remember it's a long-term game. So the half yeah. is the half, then there's next half, and the half after, and the half after. And if you're holding, you mentioned um, Nick Scarley, you know, whether they disappointed or not, five, seven years ago, the results subsequently have been so dramatically great that if you just said, I'm not worried about the half, I'm going to focus on 2021 or 2020 or 2019, then you've done really, really, really well. That's yep. my big one. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I, I would also say too, even if there's a, uh, there's a miss in terms mm-hmm. of expectations and the rest of it, it depends why. So sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes there are things because the, the, the company's pursuing a bad strategy and operationally they just haven't executed well. Mm-hmm. And and you know maybe the, the competition's really coming in and, and mm-hmm. cutting mm-hmm. their grass, whatever. Um, that's very different. Oh, we miss because the Aussie dollar unexpectedly mm-hmm. jumped up, and we get a lot of revenue from the US. Now that sucks. It's not. It's not good. It has impact. Very real way impacted mm-hmm. your your profits and that. But it's of a different character. Mm-hmm. You know, there are there. I think anyone and I've got a lot of businesses who have operations overseas. So you sort of see this FX mm-hmm. impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tend to, I think in that instance, it's very fair to focus on the constant currency comparisons that a company mm. gives you because mm. they got no control over that. So if there's a disappointing result, but it's as a, res- it is a, a of a result mm. of something mm. that is beyond the company's control and not structural in nature and not likely to be long term, such as such as any FX movements. Mm. I'm actually thinking I'm very sanguine about that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I think I think you need to do that. The other point I would make too is that it, I love it when. A company misses expectations mm. um, that the company sort of get cops the blame for it. It's like, yeah, well, yeah that's good enough. Wait, wasn't what, what, the company earned whatever the company was going to earn? <laughs> yeah, that's right. that, that, that was whatever yeah. it was going to be. Yeah. The, the yeah. analysts got it wrong. Yes. Um, but they're not the ones that's who right. cop the grief. <laughs> yeah, so it's like anal- analysts, analysts miss their forecast. It's the company missed yeah. expectations. The company yeah. said they didn't deliver on what I thought they should do. It's like the, the, the self-focus, the bloody, you know, it, it, that's – I'm going to go on a massive rant. Let's just quieten down and say that is everything that's wrong with the finance industry, mate, is when you look at a company yeah. and say, you missed my expectation. It's like, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. Explain no, yourself. Just, <laughs> explain yourself. Yeah. I'm, I'm a $40 billion revenue business. I'm Woolworths and I missed your expectations, Mr. Junior Analyst. How about yeah. we How about we remember – um, exactly yeah. what's going on here. It, it's stupid. Now, to be fair, I, there, there, is one, there is one little tangent on that one, one little uh, wrinkle, which is sometimes the companies themselves actually do provide those guidance numbers. And sure. so if, they, if Woolies said, oh, I'm going to earn a dollar a share and they count at 95 cents. Now, the analyst still is responsible for making their own judgment, not just taking Woolies say-so and, and, and picking a number. Uh, but there are times when the company misses its own guidance. I've said before, mate, I don't know if you have a view on this one. If it was up to me, I'd write to every, every CEO of every company I own and said, please never, ever, ever give guidance ever again. I think yeah. it's a cancer inside companies. I have companies. sympathy for that, yeah. It's, yeah. I've, worked, I've worked for businesses before, many, oh, I want to say three or four listed businesses in my career. And the pressure to in the last week, two weeks, five weeks, six weeks, mm. to literally turn the business inside out, trying to get a quarterly number or a half-year number, and therefore 
effectively destroying the first couple of weeks of the next quarter. So you're on this stupid treadmill because you made a promise yeah. to someone about what the earnings would be and something out of your control didn't happen. And rather than going, oh, well, that's okay. We missed it. Let's just, yeah, yeah share price might fall. Who cares? Let's just mm. focus mm. on long-term value creation. Every, they literally move hell on, hell on, hell on earth um, to, to, to try and, you know, somehow desperately get this number they promised. And then it just it completely screws up the next one. And so it's just, it's well, just it, it leads, madness, it, mate, madness. It, it, it leads to all kinds of perverse incentives. It really does. So, yes, so companies you. will do things like they'll, they'll defer, mm-hmm. uh, they might have got a contract that's pretty much in the bag, but they say, well, it's just not book this until yeah, next quarter because exactly. that'll yeah. help you yep. know or yep. oh actually we've got this you know it's probably not going to close until you yep. know another three days after the quarter let's pull that forward so it, it, like they're trying it, it leads to behavior mm-hmm. where it's more about trying to um, conform to some expectation than yep. as you say just focusing on actually running the business and it's, it's really 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 bad yep. the, other, the other thing I was going to say too with this is that when a company does um, have a disappointing result and let's say it's legitimately disappointing for, yep. for, for very good reasons Yep. You will never, ever, ever, ever see management come out and say, oh, we stuffed up. Actually, we're really <laughs> concerned about the future. That's right. So you, you have to be on yep. guard yep. for you don't want to be a you don't want to be a cynic, <laughs> but but there is yeah. it is a it is very worthwhile having a healthy dose of skepticism mm-hmm. when you read things because it is their I mean they're not being dodgy. It's just yep. it is their job to put yeah, yeah. The, the, the a positive spin on things. And they want to they're, they're they're representing the company and they want to tell you the mm-hmm. best story that mm-hmm. they possibly can. Mm-hmm. But I've I've seen companies go all the way pretty much to zero and the whole way down management's sort of saying, oh, it's all, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And of course they're going to. So you, and when you've got shares in a business and you're, so you've got, you've got all kinds of behavioral uh, biases uh, impacting you, the endowment effect probably being, the, the endowment effect and confirmation bias probably being the two big ones in this, in this situation, you will convince yourself that you will want to believe what they're saying, but uh, uh, just look mm-hmm. at it sceptically mm-hmm. and and remember too that that it's okay to say I don't know yes and it's yes. okay and, and you can always sell and you can always buy back once you know but you you, you don't you don't have to yeah. rationalize your way all the way down to zero yep. and just remember too that it's okay like Warren Buffett makes mistakes all the time mm-hmm. you will mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. The, the, I mean not the, me the, but other the, people. No, but other people, yeah, of course, people, not, yeah, not, yeah. not us. No, no. Um, uh, but but you, we will do all kinds of things to preserve yeah, our, yeah. our ego. Yes, um, we'll buy so more shares and we'll do all these other kinds of things. Yep. So just yep. that's another thing with earnings season as well. Try and be objective. Try and try and avoid that kind of thing. If, mm. if something's not working out, yeah, I get it. It mm. sucks. But just move on, right? There's other opportunities. Yep. Maybe you can, you can evaluate. You, you, you'll make much more mm. sensible. You'll think much clearer and you'll make much more sensible decisions when you don't hold the shares. Mm. So, when, you know, some, sometimes it's okay just to go, oh, geez, I'm not sure here. Just sell, take a deep breath, mm. reevaluate, and then you can always buy. I know there's tax considerations. I know there's brokerage. But in some cases, I think that's not, not an unreasonable thing to do. Yep, I think that's I think that's very fair. That's very fair, mate. That'll do us. Uh, we've had an absolute tour de force through everything so far, from from the economy to uh, afterpay, a little bit of a detour in oil, and then finish off with earnings season. It is going to be a busy three weeks ahead. We'll we'll probably hit some of the highlights as those companies come out over the next three weeks mm-hmm. or so. Um, we'll try not to just be a reporting service. We'll try and actually give some insights and dig under the detail a little bit to, for some more some more information. So we'll see we'll see how that how that pans out. In the meantime, yep. will you come back on Sunday for me, mate? Wouldn't miss it. Wouldn't miss it. Would not miss it. There you go. We're done. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the Motley Fool Money podcast on your favourite podcast platform. Please do give us a rating, particularly on iTunes. We say it most weeks. 
Um, five stars really does make a difference and the reviews make a difference to who sees the podcast, who listens. The podcast charts are a very strange thing. Um, back in the old days, the top 40 was simply the top 40 selling songs. Podcast charts are very, very strange. Um, so if you could, if you would do us a favour, uh, people will find the podcast. If you're enjoying it, if you like it, please do give us a rating if you have the opportunity. Uh, if you don't, that's okay too. If you don't want to, that's fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, I said, if you're liking it, hopefully other people will too. And one of the best ways we can get to them is when they're looking for a podcast. So they can see your reviews and uh, your ratings. That'd be great. In the meantime, we'll be back on Sunday. But until then, full on. See you later. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.